This is a classic podcast from Unqualified Gamers. Hear more at unqualifiedgamers.com. I can't believe this is the 44th episode of Unqualified, a video game podcast, where two guys with no business talking about video games... Do just that. They do just that. They do, but I don't know if I like with no business. How about with no professional certifications to justify their qualification? You know what I'm saying? No. No, I don't. No. I don't have any idea what you're saying right now. Because we're, well, we're not just guys, first of all. I think it should be two gamers with no business talking about video games. Because we're gamers. That's true. Okay. I can, uh, I guess I can agree to that. That's fine. Okay. So we're, so we're two gamers with no business talking about video games professionally talk about video games professionally. No. Nope. Because we're not nope. professionals either. I find I think I'm very professional. Um, I can't speak for you. When did that start? I, no, I'm I'm professional in my demeanor, uh, in my interaction. Really? I'm not, I'm not a professional. No, not really. I'm actually not a professional kind of anywhere I go. I was gonna say I have about 44 episodes worth of proving that wrong right. that I could refer to. Right. But I shall choose not to because. We have a podcast to do, one that is called Unqualified a Video Game. Let me try that again. One that is called... So I made an ass of myself at Starbucks this morning. Yeah. Well, did you did you order a drink that had like seven modifications and then they missed one of them? No, I don't do that. Um, so I used to work at Starbucks, as you know. I am a Starbucks certified barista. Mm-hmm. Does that does that travel with you even after you leave? Like once is it one of those things where once you're a barista, you are always a barista? Well, I'm a kinda, certified barista. Kind of like a Navy SEAL. Yes. Only a little less prestigious. Okay. So I used to work at Starbucks, as you know, and in my mind, for some reason, I'm I'm looking at the POS, the point of sale computer system, and I'm yep. I'm imagining it, and I remember what I thought I remembered was if you bought a medium or large coffee, it was like a dollar two. If you got the size up, it was like a dollar ten. That kind of pricing structure. Okay, I, f- I follow you. Okay, so I have this this uh, bowl of change in my apartment. So uh, I'm home for Columbus Day, and I, I'm sitting at home, and I'm out of coffee for my coffee maker. I'm out of Folgers, so I can't make coffee. But I'm thinking I want to drink coffee. I live a block from a Starbucks, but I don't want to spend money because I'm trying to save a little extra money this month. And... So I got I dole out a buck fifty in change because I'm like maybe the price has changed maybe whatever blah 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 I go and I order a large coffee and or a venti coffee and it was two forty something and you had you had anticipated a dollar fifty yeah because I got the dollar sign off because when I was envisioning when I was recalling my Starbucks expertise that's not even close i was thinking oh a dollar two or a dollar ten depending on what no it was 202 
or 210, depending. You are, in fact, only 60% of the necessary amount of money. Yeah, so I had to pull a $1 bill. I had to pull a wash out of my pocket, or or a George George Washington is what that's short for. Uh, Most uh, urban hip-hop artists refer to dollar bills as washes in their... uh, in their uh, discourse. In their uh, rapping songs? In their discourse, is what I said. Okay. So, uh, I just wanted yeah. to drop that knowledge on you if you didn't have that. In their rapperies? So I go, so I go 240 for coffee? Just instinctively? And, <laughs> and let me the, guess, there's like a giant line as well, right? I mean, no, there wasn't, but the way I said it was so taken aback, and the girl behind the counter instantly hated me just like hated me she was kind of nice she was kind of you know like your typical just kind of cute like younger starbucks barista no hated me went from like borderline flirty to get tip money to i hate this person is he actually saying this right now so that's my starbucks story well done. It's not. Uh, it's not often you can get somebody to instantly hate you like that. You tend to have a knack for that, though. That's uh, well. I, see, you say that with the royal you. It's not often you in general, like you, the human race, perhaps even you, listener, uh, can get someone to instantly hate you. However, I personally am adept at it. I was actually talking specifically about you. So you. Uh, so that was your big. That was your big weekend. That was your big weekend event, huh? You went to Starbucks? We haven't even started the episode, John. Now we start the episode, because the the listener needs to know off the top that I'm Cody, and you're Jonathan, and this is Unqualified, a video game podcast, where two gamers with no business talking about video games talk about video games. No, that's it. Hey, this is the first time we've recorded in the morning. I kind of like this, having a cup of coffee next to me while we're recording. You should not work on Monday's... Always. Wait, don't you usually have a tumbler full of whiskey when we record? Well, my coffee's got a tumbler full of whiskey in it. Oh, okay. That's good. Have to keep with tradition. Are you an Irish coffee person? Uh, I guess it dep- you know, if I didn't have to work, maybe, but not on a regular basis. That's fair. The only time I've seriously had an Irish coffee was in Ireland, and I'm pretty sure it was eight parts whiskey. Yeah, I mean, if it was one of those things where, like, it's uh, it's a holiday or something, and we've gotten together at nine in the morning, and it's, you know, it's going to be an all-day affair, um, we're going to, like, sit around and play games, watch movies, that kind of thing, I would do an Irish coffee at nine in the morning. But, you know, on a day where I have to work later in the day, probably not going to Irish up my coffee more than twice. And with that, we are... I clearly, now the episode has started, because we've started talking about video games already. Right. Uh, and listener, just so you know, John and I are more than just gamers. We're humans, too. So, we're going to talk about our weekends, and you're going to listen to us, because you have literally no choice right now. Then we're going to talk about you, listener, because we care about you. And then we'll talk about video games. And we have a sweepstakes winner to announce. That, uh, which is pretty fun. Very fun, very fun. So what did you do this weekend? So if you listen to our last episode, uh, it was, this weekend was my baby sex party. Oh my god, that's right. Yeah, so uh, so if you did not listen to last episode, basically what we did was we got a bunch of our friends and family up here together, some of my family came up from Illinois, and uh, we 
had the gender of our baby. Uh, but by the way, apparently the political the politically correct way to say this is a gender reveal party. That's stupid. Uh, so it's, it's more politically correct than baby sex party, really. That's what I've been told. I don't yeah. know. They, they, I think they both sound appropriate to me. So yeah, me too. So anyway, we got uh, you know we we all got together. My family came up, and we we had the result, like the gender of the baby, after we went to our ultrasound two weeks ago. Put on a piece of paper, sealed up in an envelope, and we and uh, Casey, my wife, her sister, brought it to a bakery and had either blue or pink frosting baked into cupcakes, and. What we would do is, you know, at the party, we would cut open the cupcake, split it in half, and then see what color was inside, and that would be how everybody found out the gender of the baby. So um, we did that, and there were like 25 people at this party, and it was a lot of fun, but we found out that we're having a little baby boy. Um, Yay! Super exciting. I couldn't be more excited. Um, It's going to be the first boy in the family um, for everybody up here. Everybody's got a bunch of baby girls, so it's going to be kind of fun. Um and it means I get to completely nerd out my son. So that's, uh, you know, I was going to nerd out my daughter too if we were going to have a if we were going to have a girl. But Casey would have more say, you know, in in kind of her likes and dislikes. But now it's going to be all up to me to instill a love of uh, all things nerdtastic. So something tells me that will not be too difficult for you. I don't think so. I'm thinking Star Wars at two months. Um, a little bit of little bit of brain development first because you have to recognize uh there are certain you know uh tropes um certain archetypal uh characteristics you know that you you can't really get in the first two months so like i figure at two months we'll introduce we'll go slow mm-hmm. we're gonna start with the original series i mean let's be honest we're gonna deny the existence of the new series for a while i think that's probably a good choice um but yeah, I'm super excited, and it, it turned out to be a. Cra- it was a lot of fun. It was a crazy amount of fun. So, um, as cheesy as it sounds, and trust me, I know it sounds cheesy. If you have the opportunity to do something like that, and you have like a large, a large support system like we have up here, a lot of people that are very excited for us, um, it makes it a lot of fun to share in that experience together. So, uh, ton of fun. The baby sex party was a success. Um, everybody got really riled up. At our baby sex party. And there is your out-of-context quote of the day. Everybody got riled up at our baby sex party. Sure. So that was, uh, that was like, the big thing that happened this weekend. Otherwise, it was a nice, relaxing weekend after a busy, long stretch of work before that. So Sounds like an exciting weekend. And congratulations yet again. I know I already said that several times, but... I, I can't wait. I'm super pumped now. Now, it, you know, it's... It's like progressive. The pregnancy has felt progressively, progressively more real, kind of as time goes on. Um, but now that we like, now that we know the gender of the baby, it's like, well, now it's time to really, you know, now we can decorate the nursery and and we can start to buy, buy stuff. I mean, we could have bought gender neutral stuff before, but we were waiting for the gender. So, you know, we can buy, buy stuff for the baby, and it's yeah. just it's fun. No, definitely, that's super awesome. Uh... Thank you for going first to make it literally impossible for me to follow you with anything remotely as interesting as that. Oh, we just, you know, found out the gender of a human being that we're going to make exist in, like, in, when is it due? November? December? February 28th. 
February. End of February. End of February. Now, wait. Next year's 2014, so you don't have to worry about a leap year, baby, then, right? Right. Because they age at 25% the speed of other humans. Did you know that? I did, and I didn't want a baby that was four years old in 16 years. That seems ridiculous. So, uh, well, you but you did get a cup of coffee this weekend. I got... I. If you count, uh, yeah, if you count a holiday Monday as a weekend, that's a thing. Yeah, that's true. It is a ho- it's a holiday Monday. There are probably people that are off of off of school or work today. I mean, look at you. Yeah, look at me. Literally, physically, look at me. Seriously, though, what companies give their employees Columbus Day off? Marketing companies. I don't understand this at all. It doesn't make any it doesn't make any sense to me. But you know, you know, in, enjoy yourself. It's awesome that. You get Columbus Day and President's Day, Canada Boxing Day. It's great that you get all these holidays off. Thank you. Apparently, that's a marketing thing. I don't know if that's true because I've only worked for a couple marketing agencies, but whatever. What can you do? Yeah. So this weekend, I actually did stuff other than play video games, which was cool. Went to a couple parties with friends. I went to a party and go out on my friend's back deck, and there are three people out there. And I'm like, oh, what are your names? Two of them are named Steven, and get ready for this. The other guy's name was Cody. Was he, was he kind of a dick? The other Cody, I mean, not the Stevens. He was fine. He was pretty nice. Not nearly as good looking as me. But I hated him. I hated him just for having my name. Was he also tall? No, he wasn't tall. He was little and insignificant. And not significant to me as a human being. Named Cody. I wanted nothing to do with this guy. I am Cody. I don't understand what is so difficult to understand about that. How can he also be Cody? That's like two people playing as M. Bison in Street Fighter 2. You can't are do you sh- it. Are you sure you weren't just upset because he was a better Cody than you? He was definitely not a better Cody. I mean, I don't. I feel like you're not a, You're not on an objective basis because you are also the Cody that we are comparing this other Cody to. So of course you're going to say that you're better than this other Cody. No, I could have said that I wasn't. I didn't because it's true. Anyways, isn't a word. Here's what happened. I said to Stephen, one of the Stevens. I said, Stephen, listen. Uh, this guy stole my name. And this other guy stole your name, so we had to fight each other. So we had a tag team match right there in the backyard. And the crazy thing was, at this particular friend's apartment, for some reason, he had a giant hell in a cell suspended over his backyard. I don't even know what that is. I'm still trying to figure out why. So he lowered the hell in a cell. I think it's really just the cell. But he lowered the cell over uh, the backyard with the four of us in it. And we had a tornado tag match for the uh, the Cody and Steven Tag Team Championships. Uh, we obviously won. I finished. You know that none of those words mean anything to me, I, right? I finished him with a Stone Cold Stunner through a table, which is not a common uh, uh, move uh, to execute. And <laughs> lo and behold, there I am, uh, standing tall. But I did something else... A little bit more exciting and actually real this weekend, not involving fake tag team wrestling matches. I started watching Team Four Stars, Dragon Ball Z Abridged. Have you seen is that this? The, is is this the one? Is is this the one where they 
they cut down like every episode of Dragon Ball Z into three minutes or something? No, that is Dragon Ball Z Kai, I think. Because you're talking about Funimation officially edited and re-released Dragon Ball Z and basically cut down each season from like 20-some episodes to like 13 or 14. Okay. Because they cut out some of the extraneous parts. Do you, so you know about that, right? No. I I was actually referring to the fan-made one that I've heard of. This is probably the thing you're talking about. I did not realize that Funimation released their own abridged version, realizing that there was a little bit of fluff. Okay, so for you Dragon Ball Z fans out there, or even if you're not, uh, to explain Dragon Ball Z is the best anime ever, um, well, it's not, but it's really, really amazing. And... Long story short, when Akira Toriyama was writing the manga of Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball, he was writing it slower than the TV series was pumping out episodes. So they ended up adding side storylines for filler, essentially, and also increasing the amount of time people are powering up and stuff. So it was like consciously created filler on purpose which a lot of people hate about the series. So Funimation realized this apparently like a year or two ago and said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to cut out a bunch of the crap, uh, cut down some of the, the BS that doesn't need to happen so that the series is more watchable and more easily digestible. And so you can purchase season one, like kind of re-edited, where it's way cut down. So instead of like 20-some episodes, I think it's down to 10 or 13 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Which is really cool, because then you can, like, watch the actual cool parts. But there is another studio, or um, group of people, or whatever. It's called Team Four Star, and this is a fan-sub parody of Dragon Ball Z. So Okay, so it's, it's parody, it's not the actual show. Yeah, this is parody. So, when it's... This is called Dragon Ball Z Abridged, and it's funny they call it that because Funimation's re-release is technically an abridged version of Dragon Ball Z. This is just Dragon Ball Z, like, being very silly. And a lot of our friends are really into it and swear by it and think it's very, very funny. They've done all of Season 1 and I believe Season 2 of Dragon Ball Z uh, through the Frieza saga. And last night I just started watching it. It's very, very funny. Uh, it's It sticks, like, the dialogue sticks close enough to the original storyline to where you're like, oh, yeah, okay, I... I remember this. It's kind of following what usually goes on. But there's just some really, really funny dialogue. Uh, whenever Krillin gets beaten up, there's like a Krillin count of how many times he's been owned. I think by like the sixth episode, he's at like nine times where he's just gotten his, his ass kicked. So it's very entertaining. So if you're ever bored sometime, just look up. It's called... Usually you can search for TFS Abridged for Team Four Star. So TFS Dragon Ball Z Abridged. And it's really funny. And I mean, are we talking like they do the entire episode? Yeah, I think they 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 definitely take some creative license. They they cut things down a little bit. They edit some things out. Uh, they increase the length of a couple camera shots if it serves the the storyline's purpose. But overall, it's really well done. And they mix in a bunch of other nerdy references. Like one of the episodes, they parody Metal Gear. And one of the characters sounds like somebody in Metal Gear, and they get, like, a codec call, like, from Snake that you get in the games, and it's between the Dragon Ball Z characters. And there's another one where somebody attacks, and they, they start playing the Final Fantasy VII battle music, and uh, put a bar at the bottom of the screen with the three people's names and, like, the fight commands, so it looks like a Final Fantasy battle. Sure. And it's just, it's really funny. The way they make fun of each other and just some of the innuendo and stuff like that is, is pretty good. 
So I recommend I recommend that if you like Dragon Ball Z at all, or even if you don't, it's pretty enjoyable. Yeah, sounds pretty good. Yes, it is. So that brings us to what our listeners did this weekend, because every week I ask, what did you play? And then people respond. People respond. It's a Google Plus thing. It is a Google Plus thing. It is. A Google Plus thing. It is. So, hey, are we in your Google Plus circles? Because we should be. Um, so, a couple of our listeners are playing Team Fortress 2. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of those games that you can just go, you know, it's the type of game where you can just fire it up, play a couple matches of it, and it doesn't take that long, and then you're done, you know? I find a lot of video games difficult to just play a couple matches and then be done, but that's just me, maybe. Uh, our big fan, Jamie Butterworth, who was our guest on last week's episode, so check that out if you haven't already, he says he's playing probably way too much Pokemon, and actually our other fan, Justin, is also playing Pokemon X, lots and lots of X. Now, you pre-ordered the new Pokemon, right? I did. Which one, X or Y? I got Y. You got Y. Why? Because I didn't know the difference. It doesn't make a bit of difference, guys. Yeah, I I mean... As somebody who hadn't played the series in as long as it's been since I've played it, I didn't even bother to do any research on the differences because I didn't think that they would matter for me anyway, right? So Right. So have, did you get it? I did. And have you played it? Uh, it's actually what I'm going to be talking about today. Oh, well, then let's not jump the gun quite yet. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I definitely don't want to blow my load this early. Right. We got a couple other comments. Uh, our fan Jonathan is playing Mario and Luigi Dream Team. I think that's the that's the new one. Is it? It is. I've not played any of the Mario and Luigi games, and I've heard they're really fun and really funny. They are fantastic, and it is sad that you haven't tried a single one. They are awesome. Well, I don't have a DS right now. Yeah, well, you're missing out. I know. I need to get a 3DS so I can play Pokemon and other stuff i'll get there and our other fan raymond was playing lego lord of the rings we talked about this last week i said the lego games are pretty popular yes and it's something that i have never tried so i mean i haven't either and i probably won't but still i'm telling you there there's some widespread appeal so that's what you've been playing this weekend um thanks for chiming in and continue to interact with us and you know that serves as the perfect segue into what John wanted to talk about. But actually, I'm going to cock-block you. Is that okay? <sighs> I'm tired of all your cock-blocking. Yeah, that's fine. Well, I, li- I like to talk about um, video game news just before we launch into our in-depth game impressions. And last week, or maybe it was the week prior, you were talking about Xbox 360 giving away free games, right? Yes, which they've been doing for a couple months now. Right, and the the newest one is Might and Magic Clash of Heroes, right? Right, which I did talk about. Which you did talk about and you played and all that stuff. I downloaded it, I haven't played it yet, but I did download it. Okay. And on this podcast, listener, if you're not aware, John specifically said it would make the most sense for Microsoft to give away a multiplayer game... For their Gamers with Gold program to reward players who are paying for multiplayer with multiplayer games. Because that makes sense, right? Yes, absolutely. And I said they keep just giving away old crappy games because Crackdown is, like, nigh unplayable. And so we weren't very happy with Gamers with Gold. Do you know what 
the second half of October's game is, John? No, I don't. Microsoft clearly listens to this podcast because their next one is Halo 3. See, that seems legitimate. And isn't Halo 3 considered one of like the best ones, if not the best one? I think it's arguable with the Halo fan. It's like the Final Fantasy series. People are very tribalistic. I mean, you had people fighting for their lives to save the Halo 2 servers like two years ago. And that was ridiculous. Um, I liked Halo 3 quite a bit. Point yeah, is, it's a good game. Point is, is that it's considered a good game. It's considered and a very good game. it is definitely a multiplayer game. It is definitely a multiplayer game. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So I just thought that was kind of interesting as a follow-up to our conversation about it originally. Um, so yeah, Halo 3. I'm going to pick it up because I actually sold my copy a few months ago. And I'm, now I'm glad I did because now I'm going to get it for free anyway. Now what? Yeah, now hopefully they just get the word out by advertising it somewhere. No, that will not happen. So how did you go about, like, how do you have to go about getting these free games? When you went on there, you you knew that you were looking for Clash of Heroes for free. What steps did you have to go through to download it? Did you just have to find it in the store and it's like, hey, it's free right now? Yeah, so I went on my computer, logged on to xboxlive.com, and then just manually searched for that game. And then when you go to download it, it just says price free instead of another price. But there was no indicator anywhere that you no. could do that, right? No, hell no. Nowhere. It just does not make any sense to me, but it is what it is. It's it's stupid. It's stupid. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that little that little Microsoft uh, Gamers of the Gold tidbit in there. And now we can get to what you've been clamoring to talk about for days now. Okay, so I don't think that I am going to be alone in this position in that I have not played a Pokemon game like legitimately sat down and played a Pokemon game since Pokemon Red and Blue. I mean, we're talking the original series. What about Yellow? I got Yellow too. I don't think I got Yellow. I maybe I did. It was so long ago though that I, you know, I don't I don't remember. I mean, the the thing that I remember the most is playing through Red or Blue. I think I had Blue. Pretty sure I had Blue. Um so it has been a really long time. Um and I knew there would be a ton of stuff changed in the game that I was very unfamiliar with. So I was like, well, now is the time let's do this. Uh, you know, by all accounts, this new Pokemon game is like the best one ever made. Um, I mean, that's what all the reviews everywhere have said. So I was like, this is as good of a time as any, I don't have a good JRPG to play right now. And this is like the quintessential JRPG. Um, so I went out and I, I pre-ordered and it, this shows you how dumb I am still with my 3DS. I pre-ordered I pre-ordered one when it came out at midnight as a downloadable game on the on the store, which I'm all for digital content at this point in my life because I want to I want somebody else to be responsible for my library of games, right? Sure. You're outsourcing your collecting. Sure, exactly. So I want to just be able to be like, "Hey, I want this game again. Let me re-download it." Um that I am putting a lot of faith in companies to provide that service to me, but I prefer to do that. It declutters my life. However, I went and I pre-ordered this game, and when I went there, to ga- I pre-ordered it from GameStop. Uh, when I went there, I was like, I would like to pre-order one of the Pokemon games. And he's like, well, well which letter? And I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, he's like, well, just pick one. And I said, 
And I said, well, I'll take uh, I'll take Y. And he goes, well, the Pokemon are up there. And he's got this big this big poster, and there's a a deer thing. And he's like, you like the deer thing or the bird thing? And I'm like, <laughs> I li- I like the bird thing. Thankfully, there's nobody else in the store at the time. Because I feel like an idiot. Because I, you know, the the people that are going in there and pre-ordering, it, I'm sure, have done extensive research um, <laughs> as as to which one they're going to get. The the, you know, I'm sure that there's various Pokemon differences in each one that I have no idea about. Um, but anyway, so I pre-ordered Y. Uh, went there at nine o'clock the next morning when it was open. I had the day off work, which was kind of fun. So I went and I I picked it up. Um, and then I came home and I didn't play it because I had to clean all day because we were having the party that night. But um, I, I got it. And when I'm walking out, there's two guys walking in there. And, and as I'm walking in my car, they're like, which version? It was, you know, it's a, it was a communal thing. Uh, <laughs> it's a communal experience. And it's, you know, me hiding my face because I'm like, I'm a 28-year-old man buying Pokemon at GameStop. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that, though, right? Uh, nothing wrong with that because... Pokemon is generally accepted in like the higher tiers of play as a in all ages type product. So not worried, not really worried about it all that much. Actually, wasn't embarrassed. Um, so I get home and I boot it up, and the start is I, like everything at the start is all the same, and it it's probably been this way every version. And we're talking like fifteen years worth of Pokemon at this point. Um, so you like start off and you you meet. Up a professor of the world. Uh, you pick one of three Pokemon. There's a grass, fire, and water type, and you pick the one that you want, and you like set it on your adventure. Um, one of the sad things I noticed from this one, and keep in mind, now listener, I have not played one since I have not played a Pokemon game since the original. So maybe they've changed slowly, but I was sad you don't have a rival in this game. Um, there's like a group of kids that get chosen to go meet the professor and they all pick a Pokemon. So there's just like a group of, of kids instead of like one rival. Um, and you like, you, you set out in your adventure and it's a Pokemon game. And it's crazy to me how little, like just the fundamental of everything has changed. So every Pokemon has four moves still that you can, that you, you could only have four moves. And if you want to learn something new, you forget it. Uh, you forget like one of your existing moves to make room for this new move. Um, they do a much better job of giving information. And if you haven't played a Pokemon game in a long time, you, you, what I mean is that like in the original, the very original, the last one that I have experience with, they would just give you a description of a move. Uh, they wouldn't really give you any other information about that move. It would just be like a description. Well, in this game, when you're told that you're going to be learning a new move, you're given an, an attack power for that move, an accuracy rating for that move. Um, as well as the type of attack that that move is, so it's a much more it's much easier for you to make a decision as to what you want to keep and what you want to get rid of. As an expert trainer like myself, sure. Uh, so there's that. I went out. I caught a bunch of Pokemon. Um, there go. They, you know, information goes in your Pokedex. So you got a Pokedex with lots of different information about your Pokemon's. Um, one thing, one thing I will say is that the original had 150 mo- monsters, 150 Pokemon, um, and I believe, and I could be wrong, but I think that every game that came after also had 150. They were just like a, 
Sometimes they were like a new 150, like a completely new 150. Sometimes they were uh, like a, a mismatch, a mi- mix and match of of new ones and old ones. I don't know. I, I'm getting the impression that in this game there is no there is no mixing and matching. It's just like all of them with a bunch of new Pokemon because I'm seeing a bunch of old Pokemon that I've seen before, um, as well as a ton of new ones. So the game 150. I don't know if that felt overwhelming when I was a kid. I can't remember. But I think there's like 600 Pokemon in this game. (laughs) Uh, And that to me feels a little overwhelming in terms of got to catch them all. Because they like, like they hammer home repeatedly in these damn games. Catch, catch all the Pokemon you can. I mean, you're Professor Sycamore. The professor in this game is like, go out, catch all the Pokemon you can. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go out. I'm going to catch all these Pokemon. And I like get through the first region. I'm through one gym I've you know I've beaten I've completed one gym and I'm in the town with the second gym and I've already got like 40 pokemon wow so, yeah so like I'm I'm definitely feeling a bit overwhelmed in terms of the collecting aspect of the game but I guess that's a good thing um the, it's really weird because and you were a huge pokemon fan as a kid you knew everything about every monster like you knew you knew what monsters evolved into, possibly the levels that they evolved into those things, what types they all were. Yeah. Really weird to be playing a game without, A, a strategy guide that I can constantly refer to to give me information on the Pokemon that I'm seeing, um, and and B, just not knowing about basically any of the monsters except for the originals. Yeah. Um, so, like, I'll, I'll encounter a monster, and, and it, it will look kind of cool, and so I'll catch it and I'll, I'll be like playing with it and I'll level it up like 10 levels and turns out, oh wait, no, it sucks. Like this is the worst, <laughs> this is the worst monster. I don't know why I, so now I've wasted an hour of my time leveling up this monster. Uh, thanks a lot, Pokemon. Um, so the, that aspect, all of that is all the same. The stuff, if you have not, if you are like me, and listener, there's got to be some of you like me that haven't played Pokemon in a really long time. Um, the fundamentals are all the same. So it's really, it's like putting on an old shoe. Like, you know, you know what you're doing. You just don't, like, have the specifics. Like, you know how to do everything that you want to do. You just don't have, like, the specifics and the information that you used to. And that's that's fine because it it makes the it makes the experience newer. It makes it new enough to where it keeps it interesting. I probably wouldn't be that interested if it was all of the same Pokémon because it would it would just be a nostalgic thing. Um I do definitely get some nostalgia when I see the old monsters. It's like, "Hey, I caught a Snorlax." So there's a Snorlax on my team. Um but yeah, there's a bunch of kind of cool new monsters, a bunch of new evolution stuff that's interesting. That part's all fun. Um, and you're still you're still traveling the world. Uh, it's a different region than what it was before, whatever the old region was called. Um, and there's eight gym leaders, and you have to go to each gym, and you have to beat the gym leaders to get the badges. And then once you collect all the badges, you face the Elite Four. I don't know if there's an Elite Four. And then you win. And then there's like a bad guy team. In this game, it's Team Flare. I believe team there's been... Flare? Yeah, I believe there's been a a bad guy team in every Pokemon game. There have to have been. Um, but yeah, it's team, it's team flair and they don't like happiness. So, uh, wait, is that their actual modus operandi is? Yeah. Yes. At least 
that's what they said when I met them. I, I just met them for the first time like two hours ago into the game. So yes, their modus operandi is we don't like happiness. So we're going to des- destroy all of the happiness in the world. Um, so just, just so you know, the game is still for kids, right? Still, still a game for kids. Uh, if you, if you uh, are looking for a game to get your, your child, this still a game for kids. Um, Although Lavender Town is pretty adult-like. Yeah, I think we can all agree on that. That was the Ghost City, you remember that? I do remember that. Where, like, everyone's dead or whatever and everything's haunted? That was creepy. Yeah, I don't remember being creeped out by that. I think I was just looking for Gengar. Coming from the guy that sits on his porch watching horror movies on his iPad in the middle of the night. Yeah, which actually I did that over the weekend, too, because Thursday night was beautiful. Um, Well, it's all about you, isn't it? So... Those are all old stuff that is old and all works the same way, and it's a tried-and-true formula. There's, like, a ton of new moves and things, but just your the general basic knowledge of how Pokemon works will allow you to know right away whether you want these moves or not, what the moves will do, that kind of thing. There are some new types that I'm completely unfamiliar with, um, which I'm sure have been around for a while. I guess there is a new type in this game. There's a fairy-type monster. Um... What? Yep. So now, so monsters like Clefairy and Clefable in the old games, right? I think they were normal type in the old games. They were normal in type. This, so in this game, they've introduced Fairy type, which I guess is a counter to Dragon type monsters, because I guess in the competitive scene, Dragon type monsters didn't really have great counters. So there, uh, there weren't, there were a lot of monsters that were just generally accepted as like the best ones to take into competitive Pokemon playing, because this is a thing, listener. It's a very big thing. A very big thing. Oh, it's huge. Yeah, so they've introduced a fairy-type monster to counter, directly counter dragon-type monsters. Um, but there's there's uh, steel. Like, there's a, a monster-type called steel-type monsters, which I'm, un- okay. which I'm unfamiliar with, and then there's some other types, too, that I've, I've encountered that I can't remember off the top of my head, but you know, when I see them, I don't remember... I remember the basic counter uh counters and strengths of the the types from the original series but i don't know these new types um and i'm assuming that they introduced all these new types for balancing issues um which is cool it gives you kind of something else to learn especially as somebody who's coming in so much later into the series um there's just an added amount of depth there i mean the original game had like 12 types already right I think there were 15. Yeah, and so now there's more than that. Um, so there's a lot to kind of remember and keep track of. Um, so that all, that's all the old stuff that I can think of off, off the top of my head. And that stuff, like I said, old shoe, feels great, fun to play. Um, I'm finding it a little more challenging than it was the first time, but it's probably just because I was so... I had a lot of time to devote to to maximizing my party and my... And just the the strengths of my characters in my in my party, the Pokemon in my party, to make it so that I just breezed through the original game. So like I'm I'm actually at the second gym now, and I picked I picked the Grass type as my first type, and then I picked the you get a second starter Pokemon when you meet the professor, and so I picked Charmander as my second one, and like this the second gym is a rock type gym. So I got in there, and I've just kind of been floored by the gym leader there. So I, I'm actually like leveling up. Like I have to grind, which is weird. Why is it so weird? 
because I'm not used to games making you do that anymore. Um, and, and if I had known anything about like the new types and what Pokemon to make as a team, I probably wouldn't have had to. But because I didn't, I didn't bring any... I didn't have any Pokemon when I went in there that were like strong versus rock type. So there was nothing I could use regularly to have a big advantage at that gym. Um, so anyway, all that stuff's old. Now let's talk about the new stuff, the stuff that I didn't know about. Holy shit, did they add a lot of sub stuff to do in the game. Um, there's there's stuff. So first of the game is beautiful, right? Like it's the first time this game's been in 3d. The character models are awesome. Like everything just looks super pretty. All the colors are very vivid. Um, it's just a really lush world. There's a lot of 3d perspective stuff. Like there's this really cool area that I just got to outside of the second city where, um, it's like, it's a, th- it's a 3d environment where like you're up on a cliff, but you can see, you can see like a beach below you. And when you go to the city, you go around and it turns out that that beach is another path that you can go on. And when you're going through the beach, you can then see the cliff above you. Really cool stuff happening on a handheld system. Um, It looks very pretty. Uh, There's a little bit of slowdown. Like I think whatever they've done, they're taxing the system a little bit because there is a little bit of slowdown, especially in battle um, with different effects. Uh, so that's kind of weird. I wasn't expecting that. Um, I haven't seen slowdown in a game in forever. So, um, yeah, that's kind of, that's a little odd. Yeah, it was a little odd. Um, but so, so some of the stuff that they added, uh, the, the TMs and HMs, the tech, tech machines and hidden machines. That's what they were in the first game. That's what they stand for. I think so. I had no idea. I know they teach you stuff. Yeah, so they teach you moves. Uh, they're reusable. So that's kind of fun. Because um, you don't feel like you're wasting them. So that's that's pretty cool. Uh, I am enjoying that. I've been able to, like... Like, there's one TM that has been really good. So I put that on a couple different, different monsters. And um, that's kind of cool. There's... Uh, there's an ex- and I was talking about this in the last episode. an experience sharing system, and so you toggle it on and off, and it splits your main Pokemon that you bring into battle gets gets a chunk of experience, and then all of the rest of your Pokemon get half of that experience. So it's made leveling up a group so much easier, and oh my god, is that streamlined a ton? It makes it it makes it so much better because. If you remember the first game, or any of the games without this experience sharing system, listener, if you've played a bunch of them now, you would level up a single monster, and if you wanted to level up another monster, you would have to most likely go to previous areas, because your your Pokemon that you wanted to level would be so much lower of a level that he wouldn't be able right. to take on the newer monsters that you were fighting. So... With this experience sharing system, it lets you swap in and out so much easier. It's so great. Um, r- really good change. Um, there is a... There's like a a battle mansion that I found where you go in there and you're given a title. Like you're given the title of Baron when you go in there. There's a bunch of trainers in the mansion that you can fight to 
increase your your title, your level of title. Like when I left, I was a, I don't know, count or something. Uh, but as you level up your title, more trainers will be attracted to that mansion to fight, and you'll be able to fight harder trainers. Um, so it's like a battle arena. Uh, there's a, a there's an item system now where, and I don't know how long that's been in there, but you give Pokemon various items that you find, and they are they are modifications to. They're always beneficial, and they're like modifications to the Pokemon. So there's like a rock chip. And if your Pokemon is holding a rock chip, it increases the, the power of rock type moves. There's one that will, that will occasionally let your Pokemon go first, no matter what in the battle round. Um, and so there's those, which definitely add some depth to your team making. Um, there's, there are seeds that you can hold and then use as, as uh, consumables that like they get used free. So they don't take a round to use and they'll like heal your Pokemon if you want to use them. Um, and then there's a seed, there's a garden where you can plant seeds, water them, and then you can fertilize them with different fertilizers to get more seeds, um, of various types. There are, there's a Pokemon daycare, which I know has been in previous games because it goes all the way back to like, I think gold and silver where you can put two Pokemon there and they'll breed like if you place a male and a female there of various types, I think they'll breed and make, honestly, I don't know. I don't know if they make new Pokemon or if they make more exist, like existing Pokemon. I don't know how it works, um, but that you can breed Pokemon. Um, and so that's another system that's in there. Uh, there's just, there's a lot of new stuff to do to keep you busy. I, I've been told there are mini games, um, but I haven't gotten into any of them yet, but they help develop your Pokemon. They're like base attributes. Oh, yeah. I think that might have been in the previous incarnation. Yeah, so I, that is there in some way. I have not experienced that yet. Um, they they just do a lot of things to, to streamline it. Um, of, like you're given roller skates in the second town you get to, and they automatically are used when you control your character with the the joystick and they move really fast. So they make getting around super easy, way more convenient in the second, in the town with the second gym that I just got you, they give you a bike. You can hit square to bring up this quick menu where you can assign items that you want to use. You can hit square to bring up the bike and that travels even faster. So they've just, they've, they've made it easier to engage like engage with the world because one of the complaints I would have now about the old Pokemon games were they were clunky like the menus were clunky uh and, and they were hard to navigate that being said the menus are still a little clunky in this game like if you don't have items connected to this this quick you have four slots cuz they have to go to the control pad like up, down, left, and right on the control on the control pad. If you don't assign items to that, you have to go into like three sub menus to get to an item that you want to use. Um, so, and if you want to like transfer items between Pokemon, there's not a super easy way to do that. Um, so there's still there is definitely some clunkiness to it, uh, but they have done a very good job of streamlining it. There's definitely more they could do, but they have done a good job of streamlining it. 
Um, and so how does it uh, how does it utilize the touchpad? Because I know you're big into touchpads. I it's kind of the standard way that games like this use it, and they just make it in menus. Yeah. So you can like touch in the middle of battle. It you know you can touch it to pick your moves, which I guess is a little bit faster than using the control pad, but not really. Um, I'm sure. So if once I hit the mini games, I'm sure there'll be a way that they're using it that's a little more interesting. But right now, it's just it's just picking moves and going through menus. So it's got, mm. as of right now, it's not it's not an interesting use for it. But still. Kind of helpful. It could be. It could be later. Yeah, it'll speed things up if you want. So overall, is it is it fun? Like, do you feel, even though it caters to a younger audience, do you feel like it's dumbed down? Do you think you're too old for it? So or are you? I don't think it's dumbed down at all. If anything, it is more complicated than it used to be. These damn kids today. Um, <laughs> yeah. It the the best part about Pokemon to me is the is the building of a team. Like. I immediately set out. So I like caught a bunch of monsters. I caught, you know, 25 Pokemon. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to, and then I got my experience sharing items. So it's like, all right, now I'm going to like make a team and I'm just going to use this team the whole time. Well, I met, you know, I got a, I got what I thought was a good team. Like I had a, like a fire type in there. I had a, uh, a grass type. I had a, a thunder type, a lightning type. I had like a flying, a flying something else type flying dark or something like that, flying water, something like that, a normal type. So I had like a team set up and uh, again, I got like halfway to the second town and I was just getting slaughtered by like an area with a bunch of rock type. And it's like, well, this is not right. Like I obviously did not make a good team. So I was like, all right, go back to the drawing board, grab a, grab a couple of new Pokemon uh, and start leveling them up and seeing if this works a little better. So that part is, is, the draw of this game. And if you are the type of role-playing game player where you want customization of your characters, so that, you know, it's it's a JRPG and that there's like a linear story or going from town to town in, an, in a kind of a set order to get things done. But like Western RPGs, it's all about your, your team building. It's all about the team building aspect. So you have complete control over the team you want to take with you. I mean, even to the point where like you, you don't have to, you don't have to take your starting Pokemon. So you're given this Pokemon at the start of the game. It's not like he's a main character for you. Um, and those of you that have played Pokemon before, you're like, well, of course, duh. But if you've never played a Pokemon game, if you and you're used to JRPGs, you don't have a main character in this game. You can pick any team of six that you want. And like I said, there's like 600 Pokemon. So you can pick a team of six, of any that you want. And not only do these Pokemon that you're going to be picking have a set move list that they learn as they level up, there are also all these machines that you can use to teach them moves that they normally wouldn't learn. And not every Pokemon can learn every one of these moves from these machines, but, you know, there's... It just increases... It increases the customization that you have over all of these Pokemon. So if you like team building if you like uh and there's you know there's only like one pokemon at a time in battle but if you like that idea of team building to make like the perfect team to be strong against whatever you encounter this is a great game for you because that's all it is and if you if you make a team that ends up not working you can go back to the drawing board you can get like an entirely new set of pokemon if you want 
and try again. Um, some other changes that they've made, uh, there are new battle types, which I think those have probably been in previous games, but I never saw them. So in the original game, it was only ever 1v1. It was only ever a Pokemon versus another Pokemon. In this game, uh, there are like duo battles sometimes when you get into a battle with some trainers. And so you'll have two, two, the trainer will send out two Pokemon and you'll send out two Pokemon. What a tag team match. Yep. And there are abilities that Pokemon have that are specifically catered to these, to these battle types. So that's kind of interesting. Um, I guess there's a, there's a, occasionally you'll, you'll, you'll encounter a horde of Pokemon. So like I'll get into a battle and there are five Pokemon to fight. And the game, and they're always like way leveled down. So like I'll be, I'll have a level twenty Pokemon, and if I get into one of these horde fights, it'll be five level eight Pokemon. But they can still wreck you because there's five of them. If you're fighting one of, if you're just using one of your own, right? Um, but there are abilities that some Pokemon have that hit everything on the battlefield. So, like those moves are specifically designed for those larger horde fights. There are new flying-type battles where only flying Pokemon can be used, and they take place in the air. Um, what? Yeah, so that's kind of interesting. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of any other ones, but I think there are probably some others, but I can't think of them at the time. But they don't get used often, but they get used enough to where they keep things interesting. Um like I think you know, one out of every twenty battles is one of these horde fights. But every time you get you get to one, you're like, oh shit! Like I have to I have to approach this completely differently. Um, so yeah, it's been uh, really good. Like I really liking it. I've already put it just came out on Saturday, and I've already put like ten hours into it. Um, and because it's a handheld game, uh, and I don't know if you treat handheld games differently. I'm sure you do than console games. But I'll open it up. I'll play it for like 15 minutes, and then I'll close it. Yeah. Right. Because I, I get something to do. I have to. I've got something else to do. And then I come back to it, and I sit there, and I open it up, and I play it for 15, 20 minutes, and then I close it, and I come back to it later. Um. So, like most handheld games, you can play it in little in little chunks. Um. But yeah, it's uh, it is what I remember Pokemon to be plus more. And it's really pretty, uh, and I'm really liking it. So I'm really glad that I got it. Good, I'm glad. I'm jealous. I want it for myself now. Yeah, oh, and the other thing, and probably I should probably mention this because this is a huge thing and probably will be huge later, the interactivity with other trainers and the online aspect of this, which I haven't... I haven't even scraped the surface of seems really interesting. So um, there, there's some sort of street pass thing that is going on, but I don't know how it works. Uh, they're not clear at all with how those systems work. You go into menus and it's like connect to the internet. And then it's like, you have to register on this website before you can connect to here, but they don't like, you can't do that from the 3ds. Um, so it's a little bit obtuse uh, once you, when you're trying to break into that online scene, maybe maybe it's just me because I haven't played some of the previous games, but it seems a little complicated. Okay. Um, but there's some sort of street pass system that's going on um, that will it it will allow for more interactivity with other trainers. Um, there you can trade online with anybody. There's like a Pokemon marketplace, and it's like, hey, 
I want this Pokemon and I'm willing to trade this Pokemon. So like if you are willing to give me this, I will give you this. And you can go on and it there's like a filter so where you can search as to what Pokemon you want. And like say you say you want a Clefable. Well, you can go on, you can search for Clefable, and then anybody that wants to trade a Clefable will have that on the marketplace and what they want for it. And if you have that Pokemon or if you have the ability to get that Pokemon, you can then trade for it. And I think it's all of the users all over the world that have access to this one general marketplace. So that's pretty cool. That's very there's cool. Al- there's also online battling, um, and I haven't done that at all, but you can you can do online battles, and I think it's I think it's as simple as going into a menu and clicking like online battle, and it'll just match you up. Um, but again, I haven't I haven't checked that out at all. Um, and then there is. There's uh, what else is there online? That's all I can think of now. But there's there's other stuff that you can do. Oh, there's also a like a a video recorder, and you can record like a, a video of I think your face because the 3ds has a camera on it. I think it's actually record a recording a video that the other people can access to like whatever sound bit video bit that you want to send out there to other trainers. They can access that if they if you allow them to. So like you can make one of these short videos and then you like upload it to your profile. And then if a user wants to access it, they you'll get a request that says, do you want to allow this trainer to access your hollow video or whatever it's called? Um, there's also some sort of uh, random trade thing where you can pick a random Pokemon to trade and then you will get, you will get a random Pokemon from another person. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Um, so you'll get to pick the Pokemon you want to get rid of, but you have no say in what comes over to you. Um, I'm thinking that people aren't going to get rid of rare stuff that way, obviously, because you're not just going to throw a rare thing out there into a random trade, but you might get something that's in a different version of a game that you don't have. Um, so all of that is is really interesting, and it's, like I don't know how how deep into that I'm going to get because there's so many other games to play. But this is totally the kind of game where if you want to spend 300 hours, like develop, like making a team, teaching them all of the correct moves to, to take on any challenge from any other team of that you encounter. This is absolutely like that game that you could just sink. You could just sink hundreds of hours easily into Pokemon. Um, yeah, really good. I recommend it. I recommend it if uh, if you're looking for a new handheld game to play. Good. I'm super pumped you're into the Pokemans. Yeah, uh, surprisingly into Pokemans. Yeah, I have surprisingly few questions for you following all of that. Uh, I mean, it's pretty comprehensive. It sounds uh, pretty much like what I expected would be the case, which is basically Pokemon has added a ton of features and there's a lot to get into. My thing is with when you mentioned you don't know like what the good Pokemon are, what the bad Pokemon are, you know, without a strategy guide, you could spend hours and hours leveling up one Pokemon only to learn later that there's another one that's much more powerful, right? Right. So this was my issue with Final Fantasy 13 2 because that basically kind of rips off Pokemon, wherein your third party member is a monster that's interchangeable. And there's so many different ways to play the game. But with some of the optional boss contents and some of the harder battles, and especially with the DLC battles, 
you have to have pretty much the best, like, most perfectly optimized monster to even beat any of that stuff. So it kind of sucks if you... Because you could spend 30 or 40 hours going through a game with one kind of main guy, and then all of a sudden you realize you just wasted all of it. Do you think the games like this need to include more, like, hints to kind of prod you in the right direction of being able to identify the most powerful ones? Because I I think that would be kind of useful. Well, I think that... So I think that that with Pokemon, the main game, like the just the vanilla go-through-the-single-player mode um, is tuned for you to be able to make mistakes, mistakes being like picking the wrong Pokemon, and still complete the game. Um, But I think the... And I'm assuming there's going to be endgame content. I don't know, because I've never... uh, There wasn't any endgame content in... uh, I mean, there wasn't any endgame content in the original Pokemon, right? It was just... End end game content meaning what stuff like after you beat the main boss, right? Okay, like I'm pretty sure there's end game content in this in this Pokemon game. I think there has been in more more recent Pokemon games, um, but I think just getting through the game, if that if that like me is what you're you're attempting to do, like that's right now that's my that's all my intention is is just to get through the game. Um, then I think you're you're they've made it so that you're allowed to like make mistakes. So like, I think I'm going to be able to pick the wrong Pokemon, level the wrong stuff up and still be okay to get through the game. Sure. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, but I think with the end game content, if there is some, and then going online and trying to face some of the, the better put together teams, I'm sure that I'm sure that there's going to be, you know, top tier Pokemon that are picked. And like, if you want to go online and and battle, if that ends up being your thing, you're going to need to pick like the best Pokemon to do that with. Yeah, probably. Okay. So again, it's, it's as much, you can get into it as much as you want, I think is basically what it boils down to. Sounds like a good game. It is. It's, It's a lot of fun. I'm glad one of us played something new this week. So what did you play then? More Wind Waker HD. Still not done with that, huh? No. You gotta be close. Uh, I mean, I I just finished the Triforce chart fetch quest, so I, I think I'm basically at the end of the game, but uh, here's what I, n- I never got to go with the original Wind Waker. I never got everything, you know? And that's the it's the only Zelda game, uh, you know, since Link R- to the you Past. You mean, like, are we talking, like, are we talking, like, all the heart pieces? Heart pieces. Okay. Like, I got all the heart pieces in Skyward Sword. I got all the heart pieces in uh, Ocarina of Time, obviously. I got all the heart pieces in Twilight Princess. I've never gotten all the heart pieces in this, so I kind of really want to do that. Are you using any guides or anything for that, or are you just doing it on your own? I am not using any guides. I'm hoping not to have to use any guides, because uh, I really want to just, I don't know, do it, see what happens. So, working on that... Also, got pulled into Civilization V multiplayer. Uh, I got Brave New World, by the way. Did I tell you this last week? Mm, I don't think you brought up Brave New World last week. Okay, so I got Brave New World, which introduces trade routes, which is a pretty interesting addition to the game. And I've been playing online multiplayer, and, uh, you know, we've got a couple friends in Madison, and I played with them on Friday night. And it's so cool to just hang in. Actually, you were in our Skype conversation. 
I was. It's, you know, it. for a while I was kind of like, oh, I'm at home on a Friday night. How lame. Woe is me. My life is so hard. But, like, sitting around on Skype with a few buddies, like, playing video games is really kind of super awesome. Yeah, it was fun. It was really fun to hang out with you guys. Yeah. And even the way you refer to it, like, hang out with us. Like, no, we're not in the same place. So I, I liked it a lot. And I, I especially like Civ Five because it's such a long game. You just kind of, you really are hanging out. And, like, you have the opportunity to discuss stuff. Um, you don't have a whole lot of side conversations or, or time for side conversations when you're playing, like, Halo or Modern Warfare, you know? Well, you don't know, but because you're in the game and you need to, like, tell people stuff all the time. So, you know, Civ, you can discuss more long-term strategies. It's, it's I don't know, it feels more like a board game, and that's kind of awesome to me. So, I yeah, like that a lot. Yeah, you know what it is? It's it's a board game. It is. It is. It's a it's a board game, and it's the exact same feeling I get when I'm playing board games with other people. Yeah. Where, yes, there's talk about the board game, but there's also talk about other stuff too yeah exactly so i've been playing a lot of those uh which is fantastic and i do want to review one game um it'll be a pretty short review that i played a few months ago i I think i mentioned it on a podcast several weeks ago and said oh yeah i'll do this next episode and of course because i'm a, a pathological liar you know right obviously we still haven't talked about it so it's it's to the moon You've not played this, correct? I have not. Okay. Uh, to the Moon is uh, an indie game I got for Steam for like a dollar during the Steam summer sale. Uh, it is the first game released by Freebird Games. They're apparently working on a sequel. I I know one was announced. It was supposed to come out late 2013, but I haven't heard a whole lot about it. So that's kind of sad. But To the Moon is basically... You play as two scientists who kind of go into somebody's memories and you are reconstructing their, like, past via their memories so that they can achieve a certain goal that that the person really wants to achieve, right? So it's something that they didn't do? Correct. Correct. Um, there's It's actually, I mean, this isn't giving anything away because the game starts out like this. There's a guy on his deathbed. And he doesn't have long to live, and he regretted something he didn't do in life. So you have to go back, and it's not that you go back and you just kind of give it to that person. The premise is you have to go really far back in their memory to trigger something that will motivate that person to do it. Then all their memories get reconstructed, so the way they remember it is they remember their life going in a certain direction that motivated them to do it, and then he did this thing, and then it's like, oh, great, he did it, congratulations, and that's the way he remembers his life, right? Okay. So it is a point-and-click game, kind of appropriate that I'm talking about it, on the 20-year anniversary of Myst being released. It's That's this month, I think. Yep. This month or this week, yeah. So uh, there is... There's, I would say there, there is no combat. There's one kind of frantic scene that's kind of an action scene, I guess, but... No combat. Uh, it is just like Mist. You just point on the screen and click where you want to move your character. The difference is it was actually developed on the RPG Maker XP engine. I don't know what that means. I just had the Wikipedia article pulled up in front of me. But it's a 16-bit game in terms of look and feel. It looks like a Chrono Trigger kind of a game. And uh, 
it's just these two scientists, you control them, you move around, and you go through this person's memories, and you, you kind of go back. And it's like a maybe a six-hour game, not, not a, a very long game. And again, no combat, so it's it's a little more relaxing. You can just kind of we're talking about a story game, basically. It's a story game. It's definitely a story game. And that's what pulled me in because I really like story games, and I heard a lot of good things about it. Um, so the draw of this game is it has a really really good sense of humor, and it is not afraid to pull any punches with cultural references because it's an indie game. So they make references to like Back to the Future and Doctor Who and Animorphs, and they even call out some of the stuff by name, because you play as these two professors, one is uh, Dr. Ava Rosalind, and the other is Dr. Neil Watts, and Dr. Watts is very funny. All of his dialogue is really snappy and witty, and he's very sarcastic, and he makes pop culture references, and the two doctors have a relationship that's kind of that... I don't want to say like a Goku Vegeta relationship where they they're friends but they're constantly giving each other crap because that's a different dynamic. But basically, like you and me, like we just give each other shit about stuff all the time, you know? Right. Yep. Uh, it's very funny. It's funny to watch them interact, and the, the dialogue is very is snappy. I, I laughed out loud several times at it. So it's a clever game. It's it's funny. It progresses in a, a very linear fashion. There's a minor puzzle element. I found that in using, even calling it a puzzle is is using the term a bit liberally. There's the same kind of puzzle you use uh, at the end of each kind of stage of his memory that is re- really easy. It's really easy, but it it does change things up a bit. Uh, I'd probably give the game like an 8 out of 10. I would recommend getting it, especially for how cheap it is. But if you're looking for action-packed gaming, then this is probably not the thing for you. Well, if you're talking about a game like, I mean, if you're talking about a game like Myst, it's a, it's a, so it's a, it's a point-and-click adventure game without puzzles, because that's what makes a point-and-click adventure game. I would say that. I, mean, I guess I'm, I guess I'm having a hard time understanding what, like, what the game is. Like, is it, is it, is it interactive at all? Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely interactive. It the draw is the writing. The draw is the writing and the story and you get a bit of a sense of exploration. Um it, it's I was entertained. It's not the most in depth. This is the kind of game I think this is a very rare instance of a game that could have been successful as a different form of media. I think they could have made they could have really made like a mini series out of it or like a movie. It's not much of a video game but it's a good story and they utilize the interface well enough to justify it being a video game sure i guess so um yeah i mean as a like objective video game if you're like oh i want to play a video game like, like this is not your traditional definition of it uh it i mean the story you're there for the story and the writing and again there's a little bit of kind of action-ish near the end of the game, but it's not a ton. It's still worth playing, though. I think it's worth playing. And the thing of it is, um, for me personally, the ending is not what I expected at all. And I don't say that necessarily in a negative way, but I'm not saying it in a positive way. They take... Because when I started playing this game... 
there's there's of course a love story subplot, right? There cuz it's cuz because America, right? There's a, a bit of a love story subplot like there's a love interest of this dying man who recurs in his memories, right? It, what's what what does the dying man want to do? He wants like, to go what? to the moon. Okay. He so he never went to the moon. Uh you know, he grew up, had a good life, had a good wife, got married, built a house, and then, you know, got sick, started dying, whatever. Um, there's a an underlying almost discomfort because something is wrong with his uh, deceased wife who had some kind of condition that they allude to throughout the story. And I won't spoil anything related to that, but she had some kind of condition. She wasn't healthy. And there's kind of this... Yeah, it's kind of like a discomfort or a little bit of uneasiness at the story because you're like, I don't know where this is going. And I feel like I want it to be kind of like a happy ending, but it's not that it's not a happy ending, but it's definitely not what I expected. I I really expected it to swerve one way, and it kind of swerved the opposite way of where a lot of stories like this would probably choose to go. I would... I would call it very reminiscent of Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind. You've seen that, right? Yes. Amazing movie. It's, in a a lot of ways, very, very similar to that throughout some of the story, the way it plays out. But once you get to the end, it, it almost, it left like a knot in my stomach. The way that, the kind of moral of the story or the kind of ending. And I, I think that's, it was very interesting to me. If you play through it, then I really want to talk about the ending with you. Uh, yeah, at the end, I, w- I was almost like, I'm not sure I like that I played this game. But the other thing is, it again, it was so enjoyable to play throughout, and it was so good. And the story is good. It's just, like I said, it was it's an interesting ending. Yeah, I, uh, I own it. Uh, I also picked it up for $2 or something on a Steam sale and just yeah. have, never, have never gotten around to it. Yeah. Um, I would say if you really just want to relax and go through something, like I said, it's it's pretty entertaining, uh, and it's it's short. You can play it in chunks. You know, play an hour a week or something. You'll be done with it in a month or whatever. Um, there's a bit of a sense of exploration, but not a lot. Uh, like I said, eight out of ten. It's solid enough to play. Maybe seven. I don't know, but uh, very much a story game. We don't give scores to things. We don't give scores to things. It got a star out of Moonface. It got a star out of Moonface, pretty much. Uh, but, like, I would recommend it only so that people could talk about the ending with me, because I just thought it was interesting. And it's very cool the way they set up the um, sequel, because they drop, like, a, a very small number of lines of dialogue. We're talking, like, four or five lines of dialogue. They completely set up this side thing, and you're like, wait, what's the meaning behind that? But it doesn't get explained at all. Like, so you get to the end of the game, and and it's just a couple things hanging out there. It's not like, oh, I expected them to resolve that by the end of the ep- you know episode, by the end of the game. Well, they don't, but it doesn't distract at all. It's not like a big deal. There is there are just a couple details that are mentioned in the dialogue, and you think about it, and you're like, oh yeah, they never they never really uh, resolved that, did they? Well, it sets up for the sequel, and I'm I'm okay with that. I like the way they set that up. They, you know, there's a, it's a couple lines that are kind of mysterious and vaguely refer to something and you're like, oh, that's interesting. Like, I wonder where that's going. That's something I'm now curious about. Well, that'll be addressed in the, in the next game. And I, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that seems like a good way to do it. I, I, 
it's interesting to me that they chose. It's just you're, like you said, it's a new studio, and they chose to go with one game, and then they're immediately making a sequel to it. That seems well, not like, immediately because this game came out in 2011, so it's like a two year gap. Yeah, but it's the next project. Yeah, it's the next project. I don't know why it's going to take them two years to do. I mean, it's not the most technically challenging game to make. Probably because making games is hard. No, can't be that. No. So, To the Moon, pick it up. Talk to me about the ending because it was very interesting. I would love to talk to you about it. Movies or I mean, movies that make you feel strongly in some way. I mean, like, you don't have to feel... And that's that's the thing is you you don't have to feel good for something to be a good product. Sure. Like in yeah. fact, in fact, a lot of times when a when a product, a movie, something like that makes you feel really bad, that you know that means that the movie did its job, or in this case, the game might have done its job. So, like, just eliciting a strong emotion in one way or the other is a good thing for games to be able to do. Yes, definitely. And it's, it's an effective game, no matter how you feel about the ending. And so I say go play it. Yeah, that's good. And with that, we are brought to the reveal of the winner of our uh, sweepstakes. I'm doing a drum roll right now. Are you? No. Okay. So, listener, if you've not written us an iTunes review, stop being a slacker and go give us five stars. But for those of you who are not, we had three people... Since the announcement of this sweepstakes, I got some exclusive E3 Plants vs. Zombies swag uh, that I'm going to send to whomever wins the sweepstakes for writing us an iTunes review. Three people since the announcement of that sweepstakes have written us iTunes reviews. As uh, as named on iTunes, they are Jamie Beworth, I don't know who that could be, uh, T.L. Smoove with a V... And John Oldcastle. So the three of them, thank you for writing us positive reviews. We really appreciate it. I would read them out loud if my computer wouldn't explode for doing so. But one of the three of you will win the, the swag. But I have coins and I have four-sided dice, but I have no three-sided dice. So I don't know how to do that. Well, so since there's three people, you should get a six-sided die. and then Oh! Yeah. Okay, where are my pants? Here they are. So you've got a six-sided die in your pants. I do. I actually carry around a six-sided die with me at all times just because you never know when it might come in handy. You often know when it won't come in handy, such as in a knife fight. What about a dice fight? Exactly. That's when it would come in handy. So, listener, just uh, for the sake of evidence, I have my phone out, You can, uh, and I have Instagram loaded up. You can follow me at Instagram.com slash Cody Goff. It's linked to on our Google Plus page, etc. So uh, I will show the die, and I will roll the die, and then I will post this Instagram video to say who won. All right? This is big time. I know. It's big time. So in we'll go in numerological, numerologic, numerological order. Numeral... Nope. Nope. Num, num, number lessened. We're going to go in number lessons order. So if I roll a one or a two, then Jamie Beworth is the winner. If I roll a three or a four, then TL Smooth is the winner. And if I roll a five or a six, then John Oldcastle is the winner. All right? Does that make sense? Oh, I'm following you. All right. I'm just waiting. I'm on the edge of my seat. 
Okay. I am in fact. Well, I should stand up because otherwise, otherwise, I'm going to fall off the chair. That is how far on the edge of my seat I am right now. All right, hold on. Here we go. Uh, I'm writing this down on the paper. All right. Okay, here we go. You ready for this? Deep breath. Deep breath. All right. Don't rush here this. Don't rush this. I won't. All right. So here's who will win the uh, Plants vs. Zombies 2 sweepstakes. Here is my die, and it is it is two. There it is, Jamie B. Worth. You have won. He has won. Plants vs. Zombies. That wasn't much of a roll. It was enough of a roll. I just rolled it a second time, and I got a one. So he actually just won twice. That's great. Uh, Jamie B. Worth, uh, send us an email at unqualifiedpodcast at gmail.com with your mailing address, and we'll go ahead and send you that swag in the next week or so. Congrats, and thanks again for the review, and for actually guest hosting our last episode. Listener, one of the things that we have uh, just recently done is we started a YouTube page. Um, we, you know, we're just trying to figure out what social media form works the best for us. I think is that is that fair to say? Yeah, sure, we'll go. With yeah, that. sure, we're sh- we're uh, we're we're shooting a widespread shot, seeing what fits, and then we'll probably focus on certain areas more than others. But you can find us now on YouTube. Um, we'll be posting new podcasts on YouTube at youtube.com slash unqualified podcast. Yeah. So please subscribe um, and like our videos ideally, but but extra, please subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash unqualified podcast. Uh, probably the best and fastest and easiest way to keep up with us. And of course, we're still on iTunes as well. Also, um, you can follow us on Tumblr at videogamepodcast.tumblr.com. So we are hitting as many bases as possible without touching Facebook because Facebook. Because Facebook. Seriously. And of course, Google Plus, uh, which you can find us at Google Plus dot two, three, four, five, uh, seven, one. There's a lot of numbers. Yeah. But you could also find us. You can find us on Google Plus if you just search for Unqualified Podcast. Yeah, search for Unqualified Podcast and you'll find us. So that's a good time. Good time. And follow me on Instagram. Find us on Twitter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're so accessible. It is painful. What are you going to be for Halloween? Boy, that's a really good question. I mean, like when you have a... When you have a pregnant wife, you have to use that, right? Like, you have to use that. Because that's not going to always be that way at Halloween. Right. So we have we have to use that in some capacity. Okay. Let me know when you figure it out. I will. What about you? Booker DeWitt. That's a, is, is cosplay the same thing as a Halloween costume? I, look. Uh, are they, I are can, they different? I, I mean, I feel like you're... I feel like you are diminishing the value of a cosplay if you use that as your Halloween costume. I mean, yeah, but, like, uh, I'm I'm a perfectionist. I don't have the time or energy or money to get a cool Halloween costume. The Booker costume cost me, like, a couple hundred bucks, upwards of a couple hundred bucks. It looks good on me, and it's a cool costume, and it's not super cumbersome, so I can walk around to bars in it easily or whatever I'm doing this Halloween. Right, but so here's the problem, though, right? So Booker, De- Tell me. Booker DeWitt is awesome uh, when you are at a convention with people who know who Booker DeWitt is. Sure. But when you are in downtown Chicago and you are going to bars and you are wearing some weird back thing with the, the skyhook, uh, you're going to get a lot of what are you. Yeah, Which, sure. Like when I was Dr. Horrible and people asked me if I was sperm. <laughs> 
Yeah. I'm not kidding. So you saw how well that went. It was horrible. Uh, pun intended. There was one person that recognized me, and that person thought I was awesome, by the way. So I'm, I'm thinking... Booker DeWitt is at least on the cover of Bioshock Infinite, and it was a pretty big game. Yeah, I don't know. I, I would recommend, if I were you, if you were asking my opinion, which you're not, but I'm going to give it to you anyway, I would recommend going as something a little uh, less specific. It's not my first choice, but it's here, and I have it, and Halloween will stress me out if I even attempt something else. So, in order to make it a, a more stress-free Halloween, I'm going to be Booker to wet the end. Why, why don't you just go as a sperm? <laughs>